This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Calls to action. Rising to the challenges that all Americans face. Currently, the Congress of the United States looks like a hive of bees that have lost the ability to make honey. They know something is wrong, but they lack the intellect and imagination to do anything about it. These sediments are reflected in everyday Americans. Ever since the Great Depression, the government has stepped in to solve, or appear to solve, our problems. We allowed them to quietly and gradually gain power. We were happy to let the elected officials and bureaucrats do the heavy lifting. Inflation, COVID, rising crime rates, and Afghanistan are all signs that the government is failing. It's time to look for different solutions from different people. In his essay, We Need Americans with Grit and Who Get the Job Done, Mr. John Horvat shows us that those different people are ourselves. Amid the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, a glimmer of honor appeared on the horizon. A group of American veterans helped evacuate fellow Americans and faithful Afghans left behind to face the Taliban. These Americans, many of them former members of special forces, arranged to send people out of the country. After the fall of Kabul, they did what the enlisted men were ordered not to. They entered the city and devised ingenious ways around Taliban checkpoints in the dead of night to deliver hundreds of people to the Kabul airport for evacuation. These veterans did not have unlimited funds or special equipment. As civilians, they had no obligation to risk their lives for others. However, the men had ties of loyalty to those left behind that demanded action. Most importantly, they had grit. Their desire to help found a way around the problems and led them to display unyielding courage in the face of danger. They got the job done. Something like this needs to be done to solve problems in America today. Too many people think government programs, aid, and initiatives will solve problems. They have the idea that throwing money at problems will make them go away. This attitude was the prevailing philosophy in Afghanistan and exists in so many places in America today. Nothing could be further from the truth, since impersonal programs often invite waste, resentment, and abuse. Strong social bonds, not dollars, are the means to solve the problems the nation faces. Mutual ties of loyalty give rise to the grit that gets things done. The most obvious examples of such relationships is that of the family. When the family is endangered, members mobilize to find ingenious solutions to difficult problems. They give selflessly and freely to save those closest to them. Similar family-like bonds should exist among members of communities, associations, and parishes. On a grander scale, love of country establishes a bond that inspires people to give their lives for the nation. What America needs now are these strong personal bonds that permeate society from top to bottom and provide protection, trust, and leadership. These ties should give rise to strong networks of individuals who can get things done quickly and efficiently to save the nation. In a healthy society, such bonds arise naturally and can be found in America's history. With its call to treat all as brothers and sisters in Christ in a climate of charity, Christian civilization naturally tends to create these vibrant networks of relationships. 
In the case of the American veterans, their strong ties of loyalty with Afghan translators and associates inspired them to take risks. There is no comparable commercial relationship that would provoke such devotion. As shocking as it may sound to modern ears, these ties have something of a feudal nature. The historically misunderstood feudal bond consisted of mutual ties that bound people together in friendship and service. It was a flexible and creative bond inside a family-like relationship where each party agreed to be at the disposition of the other, even risking life if necessary. These ties are born of necessity, desperation, or improvisation. The circumstances of life create the need for mutual dependencies. They force people to think outside the box of modern individualism. The result is tremendously flexible and powerful relationships that can provide leadership and direction, especially in times of crisis. Something of this can be seen in the grit that allowed a group of veterans to risk all and come up with unimaginable practical solutions. They were able to set up a network of like-minded individuals quickly, inexpensively, and with heroic dedication. They called it the Pineapple Express. Unlike the cold bureaucratic relationships that bind people today to abstract corporate and governmental structures, the feudal bond was remarkably personal. Each party seriously assumed duties and responsibilities to the other and saw it as a sacred duty. Historians record that both parties were required to give, quote, counsel and aid, unquote, by which they made each other's interests their own. Indeed, these sacred bonds can only be understood in the context of the faith and the supernatural charity that encourage people to look beyond themselves, loving their neighbor for the love of God. Thus, these ties could be extremely powerful and protective. In this atmosphere of trust and confidence, touching manifestations of affection flowed both ways between the parties, to the point that they were always ready to die for the other. It recalled the teaching of our divine Savior, Greater love than this no man hath, that a man lay down his life for his friends. See St. John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 13. The veteran group in Afghanistan gives a glimmer of what these bonds can produce today. The ties of loyalty and a corresponding sense of duty of this band of abnegated individuals are responsible for rescuing hundreds of comrades and allies who otherwise might have been left behind. These personal and feudal relationships bore fruit in a display of heroism that inspired the nation during a withdrawal stained with dishonor and shame. These former soldiers had the grit to do things that others, with incomparably more resources, did not do. However, this display of heroism did not represent the full power of the feudal bond. Despite the passing brilliance of their actions, it was but a short glimmer that gives an idea of what is possible. The veterans' effort was a brief episode, whereas feudal bonds were often lifelong and even intergenerational. The rescue did not have the feudal bond's supernatural obligations that could have broadened its power and scope. When permanent, these ties tend to form stable groups of leaders that play a shaping and guiding role at all societal levels. The Afghan rescue points the nation in the direction it needs to go. 
The Pineapple Express proves that such tasks can be done naturally, quickly, efficiently, and above all, honorably. These are selfish times when comfort replaces courage and mediocrity trumps excellence. The nation needs extraordinary individuals that can step up to the plate, committing themselves to others through mutual ties of counsel and aid. With postmodern liberalism now in decline, these feudal ties are liberating. On their own, government programs and dollars are not going to provide the country's needed solutions. They lack the essential human element that inspires people to great purpose and meaningful action. What is needed are solutions that transcend today's exhausted individualism. Americans involved in such solutions can exist, as heroically proven by the veterans in Afghanistan. Their quick and decisive action can serve as a blueprint for many other lasting commitments. Some might be reluctant to call these solutions futile, given the terms negative press historically. That's fine, and they can call them whatever they want. The final result will be the same. The solution America needs involves creating deep and enduring bonds through which outstanding individuals with grit and God's good help get things done. On September 2nd, 2021, General Motors announced that it was shutting down nearly all of its production for two weeks. The problem was not a strike of its workers, nor are people refusing to purchase GM vehicles. The cause of this shutdown is the inability of suppliers to produce the many pieces that go into the GM's cars and trucks. The root cause of the supplier's woes is a microscopic virus, the same one that has shut down many other aspects of normal life. Mr. John Horvat examines the broader situation in his essay, What Happens When a Just-In-Time World Breaks Down? Consumers are long accustomed to getting whatever they want when they want it. The frenetic intemperance of having everything instantly and effortlessly defines consumer society. Manufacturers accommodate the immediate expectations by organizing seamless supply lines worldwide that get everything to its destination just in time. This world of instant gratification is breaking down. Suddenly, consumers face the unimaginable prospect of being told that a product is not in stock, and no one knows when or if it will be coming. The culprit is a tiny virus. The COVID crisis is scrambling the world's vast interdependent global networks in communications, transportation, shipping, finance, and many other fields. These networks allow prodigious quantities of goods to flood world markets. However, these same systems are now a source of enormous fragility, and the world does not know how to deal with it. The breakdown is not a logistical, but a moral problem that reflects a system that is out of balance. In the quest for instant product accessibility, the world has built a Frankenstein that can turn on its master with a vengeance. The intemperance of an everything-now world lays bare the imprudence of a no-moral-restraint production system that has gone awry. The situation is made worse by consumers unaccustomed to being told no, 
There is raging demand, but little desire to sacrifice. There are few local alternatives to replace distant suppliers. The new normal is not see and buy, but wait and see. COVID-impaired global networks now suffer from three major problems that threaten to take down the system. The first problem is a world order that has become so intertwined, operates so tightly coupled, and moves things so quickly that there is little margin for error. The slightest maladjustment, natural disaster, or human error has dire effects on the whole. The world of vulnerable neuralgic chuck points that range from geographic straits to supply chains to electric grids can throw everything out of balance in an instant. Indeed, the world is now out of sync. Each new COVID wave creates hiccups that turn things upside down. The delicate choreography of getting everything where it needs to go is now disjointed. The just-in-time inventory and production process that govern manufacturing are breaking down because no one has backup inventories. Computer chip shortages, for example, are shutting down car assembly lines. Production schedules have gone awry, putting pressure on factories, docks, warehouses, trucks, and ships to rush goods to destinations when they become available. The great supply chains, especially those from communist China, are overwhelmed by these glitches. Cheap international cargo shipping is a pillar upon which so much commerce depends. The price of Trans-Pacific shipping has increased tenfold as companies struggle to find container space and ports. The unpredictability of supplies is calling into question the misguided model that has long been in place. Product complexity is also taking its toll on the COVID economy. Manufacturers no longer use local components and raw materials to make their goods. They have outsourced their way into dangerous dependencies. The Washington Journal recently reported on the case of bullfrog spas in Harriman, Utah, which makes the M9 model hot tub. Despite great demand for its product, the complexity of its manufacturing process has made it hard to reach production goals. A tub that used to take a few weeks to finish can now take six months. Each hot tub consists of 1,850 parts coming from seven nations and 14 states. The most distant parts come from Chinese suppliers. All of these parts must travel a cumulative distance of 887,776 miles over bottlenecked global networks. To meet demand, factories everywhere report that they are scrambling for metal parts, plastics, and other raw materials strung out worldwide. Available products often carry higher price tags, fueling inflation fears. The final program with the global networks is the danger of unintended consequences. Indeed, the more complex the system, the more unpredictable life becomes. The number of possible unintended consequences is multiplied, and even advanced technology cannot deal with them. Minor events can have catastrophic consequences. The slightest risk can lead to decisions to stop all operations. 
For example, a minor navigational problem of a huge container ship in the Suez Canal closed down the route for about 12% of the world's trade for a week. The impact of the incident lasted months. For a few days in August, China shut down its Ningbo container port, the world's third largest, after one employee tested positive for COVID. An earlier outbreak in May closed the port of Shenzhen for several weeks. In a world of vast networks, authorities are not willing to take any risks. They shut things down just to be sure. No use of systems analysis can foresee all the possible outcomes. The COVID crisis exposes the limits of international trade. Such commerce must exist and flourish. It should be both ample and common, especially when satisfying basic needs. However, international trade should not dominate or destroy local culture and production. It should not use illicit means to dominate. It should not engage in unfair competition or brutal labor practices that oppress workers. Today's just-in-time economy has become an artificial and unbalanced machine in the frenetic intemperance of throwing off all restraints to produce everything instantly. Its operators often abandon the moral standards that should govern manufacturing and trade and engage in the cutthroat strategies that can characterize its massive and vulnerable economies of scale. Gigantic offshoring movements exploit the cheap and even slave labor in communist countries. These nations also routinely disregard safety or environmental standards that further endanger workers and lower operating costs. Such practices favor totalitarian regimes that steal intellectual property rights and fail to open up their markets to the West. Finally, the gigantic aspects of the global networks make them cold and impersonal, fast and frantic, mechanical and inflexible. People find it easy to hide the moral responsibility of their actions, which seem to have no consequences inside a vast network. These factors skew the modern economy away from the more flexible and less vulnerable economies that should govern markets. These more authentic economies are more suited to deal with crises, since they operate inside a climate of virtue and diligence. They also allow for expressions of culture and local development that make economies more flexible and human. Indeed, there is no substitute for virtue and sound economic principles based on moral restraint. Virtue-based systems have the internal mechanisms to weather storms and crises. Virtuous people have the elements to improvise and dare in the face of danger. However, the COVID crisis has revealed that the world no longer has these mechanisms in place. When COVID appeared, systems bogged down and even struggled to survive now. The new norm is that the world is, and will continue to be, short of everything for the near future. Thus, the world enters a new phase of vulnerability and danger, in which the global networks fail and turn against the system. Today, the world lays prostrate by the action of a tiny virus. Tomorrow, all it will take to bring these giant networks to a grinding halt is an attack by a terrorist group, 
an irresponsible piece of socialist legislation, or an underestimated risk by a rogue broker. What seems so powerful today is suddenly at the mercy of just a few. The advertisers want us to think that they have the solutions to our situation. Just buy our product, they assure us, or your problems will all be solved. From long experience, we know that isn't true. But the advertisers create images that appeal to our most basic desires. They paint attractive pictures. We will not find solutions in slick advertising. As Mr. John Horvat discusses in his essay, the stressed-out consumer needs wisdom, not more marketing. The solutions come from other places. Marketers typically create excitement around a product to get people to buy the item and the experience associated with it. The greater the hype, the more likely the consumer will get it. Excitement equals profits. Perceived loss translates into a desire to buy. High emotions often trump actual need. However, a new niche market relies on a contrary logic. Its target audience is those who are stressed out. These consumers do not want excitement or hype. They want peace, warmth, and affection. This sector grew enormously during the COVID crisis as anxiety increased in all age and demographic categories. Companies are adjusting to this trend by making products that soothe anxieties. The goal is not to excite, but to tranquilize worried buyers. Makers of cars, cereals, beverages, and any everyday products are designing products that contain reassuring messages. In these cases, calm equals opportunities. The Wall Street Journal, for example, reports that the new Lincoln Nautilus is marketed as, quote, a sanctuary, unquote, from the frenetic world outside. Once inside the vehicle, the person finds seats that offer massages. Vents circulate refreshed air while sound-absorbing materials keep out noise. Obnoxious car alarms and reminders are replaced by soft chimes composed and played by the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. The company claimed human entrance into the car sanctuary, quote, feels like a human hug, unquote. The reason for this change in focus is the soaring stress levels made worse by the COVID crisis. A June survey by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported that nearly one-third of Americans are presently experiencing anxiety and depression. In 2019, only 11% suffered such symptoms. The dramatic change has caught the attention of marketers who began addressing the mental well-being crisis and producing mini-sanctuaries for stressed-out souls. Thus, people want products that promise to make them feel better. The problem is that feeling better is hard to quantify, and stress relief claims are not easy to prove scientifically. Most consumers have to settle for the perception or calming imagery to convey the idea of well-being. There is no guarantee that well-being will happen. Young adults particularly feel freer to express their mental health problems than past generations. 
The market is responding with a widening range of products to address these massive needs. And companies are doing this frenetically. Ironically, they seek to profit from this quest of the stressless with frantic energy and drive. They are rapidly rolling out products that convey the image of soothing calm. Marketers come up with seductive product names that promise anxiety relief. The COVID crisis added another layer of uncertainty that creates a demand for structure and even ritual. One area of this market's expansion is drinks and teas. Companies are finding that while some consumers want energy drinks, others need beverages to wind down. Thus, PepsiCo launched a drink called Driftwell to relax the mind with water laced with blackberry and lavender flavors. The image of drifting off to sleep is deliberate to cater to agitated consumers that find it difficult. The company also introduced another product, Soul Boost, a sparkling water that brings solace and relaxation to battered souls. Coca-Cola introduced a tranquility line of its smart water bottled water, infused with ashwagandha and tangerine extract, which it claims to aid in decompressing. Other companies offer serenity blend teas that promise to relieve stress. The more exotic the ingredient, the more likely it is to conjure up images of ancient folk remedies. Other products involve more complex and structured activities as a means of overcoming stress. A nursery product company, Miracle Grow Company of Columbus, Ohio, introduced a new brand of houseplants called Green Digs after market research uncovered the therapeutic value of caring for plants. The new plants are now called stress reducers, since caring for plants was deemed, quote, ritual behavior that created comfort, unquote. Nurturing something living has the effect of reducing anxiety. Another example of more structured products is 3M's new line of Post-it notes called Noted by Post-it. The new product structures the notes to allow for journaling, habit tracking, and inspirational sayings. The notes come with coordinated pens and notebooks that help the person get rid of anxiety by organizing and structuring their lives. These notes are not blank, but come with boxes for users to list their priorities and plan their days. The quest for tranquility is not found in a world of frenetic intemperance and agitated markets. Tranquility is an interior movement that presupposes a soul at peace. People can surround themselves with exterior things laden with peace-invoking names or soothing imagery. However, they will never obtain true peace in this way. According to philosopher Joseph Piper, peace comes from the contemplative act whereby people understand the meaningfulness of the universe and their purpose within it. Because the mind is ordained to the knowledge of the first causes of things, it experiences peace and wonder by contemplating the marvels of creation and the Creator. 
The soul experiences peace when in sync with the order of the universe through the practice of virtue. Quote, To know the highest cause, then, does not mean to know the cause of some particular thing, Dr. Pieper says, but to know the cause of everything and of all things. It means to know the whether and the whence, the origin and the end, the plan and the structure, the framework and the meaning of reality, unquote. Wisdom is the virtue of seeking the highest cause of things. Only a society that facilitates wisdom can provide peace and order. Anything else is window dressing and fancy packaging. This concludes Calls to Action, Rising to the Challenges that All Americans Face. Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and higher ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book, which spells out our motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvat's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.